Hey, welcome back to the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Well, hey, you're about to listen to the Bitcoin Podcast announcements, and we got to tell you something. What's come to our attention, people didn't realize this, and we got to let you know, these are sponsored episodes, meaning that the participants that come on these episodes have paid to get access to you, and that's the way that works. So, featured on our network means that it's sponsored. So, um, we wanted to get that out in the open. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Here it is. Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Great. This is Lucian, um, your host for this announcements episode, and I'm here with Alex from Celsius Network. Um, Alex, would you please uh, introduce yourself? I know you've been on uh, two previous episodes, and I was actually asked by our listeners to get you back on and have some follow-up questions. So, Okay. Sure. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I was, I'm um, born in the Ukraine. Uh, and uh, basically to uh, uh, what back used to be the Soviet Union, right? Uh, a real communism, you know, no food on the streets, lines everywhere. Uh, grew up in Israel, so that's like socialism, right? So I went to high school there and, and did, did the military and then came to the United States about 30 years ago. Uh, did seven startups as a founder, so it was like a... You know, there was a country was made for me. You know, it was like just an amazing place where you could just concoct an idea and complete strangers say, yeah, we love it. Let's go and build it. Let's go and make it happen. So I raised uh, a billion dollars for these seven companies and um, had over uh, three billion in exits. And so tried retirement, didn't work for me. And... Uh, and this crypto got the crypto bug somewhere around 2013 and, and realized the more recently that unless we really build something uh, to replace the banks which i think is the killer app or the very unique thing that the blockchain can do better than uh, anything else um we're not going to scale and the whole thing is just going to collapse and we're going to be telling our grandchildren about how we had this amazing opportunity to decentralize the world and we you know drop the baton on it so that's <laughs> so that's why I'm, I'm, all, uh, I'm, all, I'm all in on the crypto i'm all in on blockchain and i'm all in on uh, replacing the banks with something that acts in your best interest is there a story behind how you first got into crypto yeah so um so on, if you look at our um um, like management team, we have uh, Scott Stornetta, who's credited with inventing the blockchain 30 years ago. And I, I know a lot of people at conferences, very famous people, <laughs> keep going up on stage and saying Satoshi invented the blockchain. And I'm like scratching my head saying, oh, my God, how little people know, you know. So, uh, so Scott, Did he work on Git or? Yeah, uh, so he. Yeah, he, him and uh, Stuart Hubbard, uh, 
uh, basically created the first Morocco tree in uh, um, at Belcor, which was part of the like the scientific park in New Jersey, kind of developing stuff for the phone companies back in 1991. Nice, yeah. And so this is uh, so there were other parts of what we today call the Bitcoin, other parts that were developed by other uh, people or already created in the 70s and 80s. And, but I think he kind of put the first fully functioning uh, Merkle tree uh, and actually ran the blockchain uh, uh, for a while just to demonstrate uh, the whole capability. So, so we, are, um, we tapped into his knowledge and wisdom and, and really added him to kind of help us he always jokes like any problem that we're thinking about, he's been thinking about for 30 years. So, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, so we're uh, just running a few years behind it. But uh, uh, so I, I, one of my friends uh, uh, showed me uh, Satoshi's paper in 2010 and I dismissed it because it was so inefficient and slow and consumed so much electricity that, you know, I'm an efficiency freak, right? So everything for me is faster better cheaper mm -hmm. and this was the opposite of all of that right mm -hmm. it was the slowest database ever invented by man <laughs> that required all the electrons on the planet um, and and they required this tremendous amount of electricity um, uh, and and energy to basically keep operating so so it was almost like the opposite of what i believe in and that's why i'm saying like it's it's not good for everything all these people who are uh, trying, you know, there's like 2,000 experiments, right? Cambrian explosion of experiments, ICOs and VC money, trying to find the one thing that the Bitcoin or the blockchain is good at. Um, and I think that's why Celsius is doing so well, because I think we are touching the one thing that could be implemented better, cheaper, faster uh, for everybody on the planet. Nice. And um, I was going to say that I'm a host of an Ethereum-based podcast, and uh, rumor has it that um, decentralized finance is essentially the new killer app of um, this current year. And it's, um, it's an obvious parallel to essentially take, uh, take existing processes and improve the efficiency by automating parts of this process that could never have been automated before, that required institutions, lawyers, and now we have a cryptographic protocol that yes, it is slow and cumbersome, but when you make it part of a cohesive whole, then you could actually uh, improve operational inefficiencies for institutions that haven't really changed since the Medici's. And um, that's a lot of the excitement that's going on. And I think um, people, especially within the uh, Ethereum community, would love to know um, more about Celsius. And um, Well, let me first comment on what you said, because I think I agree with you on one side and disagree on another side. So, yes, I agree with you that triple book entry, which is basically a smart contract uh, combined with a immutable um, um, blockchain uh, open ledger, uh, are extremely beneficial incremental capabilities. Uh, the question is, are those uh, require an open blockchain or not? And, and what we're seeing are these experiments, like when you look at what JP Morgan is doing, is effectively a triple 
um, uh, you know, accounting entry system ran by JP Morgan as a trusted party in a network where all of their customers can transact with each other in a private blockchain versus an Ethereum implementation, which is, by the way, you know that JP Morgan basically copied Ethereum and just called it Quorum and <laughs> run, runs it on the, so it's a perfect analogy because yeah. it's, it's exactly the same code running into exactly uh, parallel implementations. Yeah. And, the, and now is the question is, is it gonna, who's going to win the public blockchain or the private blockchain? The public internet or the private intranet. It's like mm -hmm. uh, I've seen this movie before. So nice. So in a way, the Ethereum network should win, uh, but I don't think that uh, automating trades or settling faster T0 versus T3 and all this other stuff is a big enough or uh, a benefit to justify a network with 10,000 nodes and, and a, a, over a billion a year in cost of operations, right? It cost, the Ethereum network costs over 1 billion to operate. So, mm -hmm. so I think you need to solve a much bigger problem to justify that network. And, and I'm not just presenting the problem, I'm also presenting the solution. If you think about the idea that the ICO was the killer app for Ethereum, right? The smart contract was this perfect idea for raising money creating these scalable platforms and and from them again this this cambrian explosion of innovation from which uh, all great things decentralized will come out uh, i think that dream is dead uh, and now the question is what's going to replace that and i have a great chart by the way that can i can send you that we created to kind of illustrate this uh, so what's going to replace that is it going to be the NFTs? Is it going to be uh, security tokens? Mm -hmm. And in my view, actually, the only thing that has a chance of really scaling and justifying the entire Ethereum infrastructure are stable coins, not security tokens, not NFTs, not ICOs or IEOs, as they call today. Mm -hmm. So so why is that? Because uh, it provides a very similar thing to what you talked about. It provides mm -hmm. a very efficient, immediate, 24-7, 365 type of trading for actual currencies that are pegged to something, pegged to a dollar, pegged to a euro, pegged to some commodity. And this way, they represent the digital value of something where today those are extremely difficult to implement. And you need either SEC approval or you need an ETF or you need something else. And they're traded on exchanges that have their own set of rules. So there's a lot of things that cannot be done in a fungible, transparent way globally. Uh, where, And that's why you're seeing tokenization of Apple shares and all these other things that are happening because there's added value there that runs on an ERC-20 uh, that allows the network to really scale without clogging it with billions of transactions of completely useless settlement or whatever. So, right. yeah. so, so th that's the opportunity. Uh, we're experimenting there, we meaning the community. And uh, all Celsius has done is basically put that in a great package and said, just like Costco acts in your best interest, you walk into, you're walking into a Costco warehouse with your shopping cart and you don't have to worry about any of the items. They're all best price, best quality. The same thing with anything inside the Celsius wallet. You know that it was vetted by Celsius and it's always acting in your best interest and any value 
at alpha created inside this wallet will be 80% of that alpha will be given back to your pro rata versus compared to what you hold versus what other hold inside the Celsius warehouse. Okay. And um, this kind of uh, comes up to like your philosophy and in the sense that um, a lot of people look at blockchain as a way to um, use its sensor-proof resistance in order to um, sidestep something like SEC regulation preventing um, IPOs or commercializing and promoting IPOs. Um, but I have this uh, idea, and I haven't really found a lot of people to support it, but it's also possible to use something like Ethereum to... Um, hold people in power, especially people who have power over your money, uh, accountable for how they use it and the types of services that they give you. It's a kind of radical transparency in terms of kind of uh, equating the power dynamic between um, the depositor and the lender. And um, that's one of the things that actually really interested me when I saw Celsius because the um, the language that you use is very similar in um, to kind of the core beliefs that I hold as well, in the sense that if there is a way to establish a crypto company that adds radical transparency to the banking system that can ensure that 80% of um, revenue generated by loans is actually returned to depositors, that kind of radical transparency requires an open blockchain. Right? And it's one of the things that can't be supplanted by JP Morgan coin. And this type of trust is something that JP Morgan, first of all, has lost in the face well, they, of they many keep, consumers. Right. They <laughs> keep they keep eighty percent of the value that they create with your money, right? That's yes. why they're paying you one percent and they <laughs> they make they made thirty billion in profit last year. Yeah. They're they're legally obligated to keep as much as they could get away with. Exactly. So um, if you can create a new type and, of and company. When that's, when that's not enough, the Fed lowers the rate so they can keep even more. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely a different school of philosophy in the blockchain ecosystem besides just the uh, end, of Fed, end the Fed pure libertarianism to say that we can build institutions that outcompete and outperform existing uh, institutions within our society right well so look look the fed the fed and jp morgan are not here to act in your best interest right i mean the mandate of the fed which is publicly stated to everybody is to uh basically ensure that the dollar stays the reserve currency of the planet and ensure that employment in the united states is is as high as possible meaning unemployment is as low as possible so those are not necessarily in any way things that act in your best interest. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a direct contradiction between acting in your best interest and uh, ensuring the dollar's value, for example, right? So, so because uh, um, so basically neither the Fed nor the banks act in your best interest. And, you know, it's like plucking a chicken one feather at a time over the last 700 years, like you said, since the Medici's and the Banco de Pachi and all these Italians invented this whole idea of paper money and everything else. Uh, I think we are, we got to the point where 
you know, again, the, the disparity uh, between the rich and the poor, and I'm, I'm part of that one-tenth of one percent. So I'm saying that not uh, knowing. I, 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 was, I came to this country with nothing, and I'm now on the other side of the equation. And I can tell you it does not work for 90% of Americans. Uh, 30, 33,000 people in this country have the same wealth as 300 million. Okay? It's the highest disparity ever in the history of mankind, right? I'm surprised there aren't guillotine on every street corner <laughs> trying to catch people like me who, who basically got rich because, you know, we, we, this, this redistribution of wealth in this country just doesn't work. I don't think anyone in the United States um, would have anything against um, entrepreneurs who generate wealth within their own lifetime by producing I do. value. I do. Okay. I think okay. I think the okay. real antagonism is with uh, generational wealth transfers and the new aristocracy that um, lives on uh, their parents' no, but, trust fund. But let me so let me <laughs> challenge you on this. Let me challenge you on this. So most billionaires will tell you that they're willing to pay more and give more back, and most of them have signed the pledge to give over half of their wealth back to society. So so that directly contradicts. The idea that, oh, you, we love Elon Musk and Bill Gates and all these guys <laughs> are really rich because they built something. So right. the issue is not that. The issue is that the invisible hand that runs the Republican Party, that runs the Democratic Party, keeps passing laws that ensure that none of this money actually makes it to the average Joe. So yeah. this is not, this is not uh, you know, just... People just don't understand how these systems work, mm -hmm. and they don't they, they don't understand why the money the trickle down economics doesn't trickle. You know where does it stop? <laughs> where does it disappear? And yeah. so on. So so we we the promise of Satoshi right it was after two thousand and eight. Satoshi came and said, and I'm sure it's a woman. It's not a man because only a woman would come up with some such a beautiful, brilliant, self sufficient system that can actually replace. This entire concocted, completely ridiculous red tape uh, of a system that we live in, right? Mm -hmm. where, where, where we can't fix that. Basically, what Satoshi said is we cannot fix the existing system. We cannot right. fix Washington. We cannot fix the legal system. We cannot fix the laws that are here. They've been written for hundreds of years to get us to where we are. So we got to create a new system that acts in the best interest of its membership. And mm -hmm. if we can grow the membership, then we will do good for society. If we cannot grow the membership, then none of the value will uh, uh, be basically delivered to society. So, and the Bitcoin gives all the right incentives to all the right participants, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it basically gives the higher incentive to early adopters because it says, hey, if you help build this thing, the newcomers are all standing on your shoulders uh, you should get more than the guys who came late, right? And so on. So, so I think yeah. the opportunity here is really to reinvent our economic system in a world in which it's built for in your best interest. It's built on equality, and mm -hmm. it's built on your contribution to society, not based on how much money did you manipulate out of the system today. So... Um... I'm going to play devil's advocate because obviously I work in the crypto industry, but um, you mentioned earlier that Bitcoin specifically has um, the option of 
creating economic change in mm -hmm. which this winner-take-all society um, is decentralized because the rules are actually fair and the scale isn't being tipped by either the Fed or um, by any other governmental institution. There, there is no reset button. Exactly. There's no. So, but the alternative is that Bitcoin itself is uh, a fixed supply and the people who bought Bitcoin early have an economic advantage that disproportionately gave them access to uh, the tokens themselves. And um, the idea that stablecoins will be one of the next killer apps, and stablecoins especially that enable uh, decentralized finance will be the next killer apps, is also a bit in um, contradiction to the pure Bitcoin ethos, because Bitcoin as a uh, community itself does need more people in the, its community to buy and hold um, in order to decrease available supply and increase the value of the individual tokens. And a stablecoin doesn't necessarily rise with the number of people who join a stablecoin. It, it, by definition, it doesn't, yes. By definition... Yes. So let me, I agree with everything you're saying. So we're not in disagreement. The yeah. issue is that uh, we've been doing Bitcoin now for a decade, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we have maybe, you know, total 25, 30 million users. Bitcoin itself, maybe 16, 17 million users. Um, so that is, for me, that is not a success story, right? I, I'm one of the original creators of Voice of IP, and I can tell you, Three and a half billion people use it after 25 years. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you plot the adoption of VoIP and you plot the adoption of Bitcoin, you're not going to find Bitcoin on a map. It's not. You can't even see that chart. Yeah. that's how mm -hmm. non-existent it is. So, so my point is that if you're hoping that this deflationary currency called Bitcoin, which it does rely on mass adoption, to continue increase in value. Mm -hmm. uh, will just somehow convert everybody to using tokens and coins and so on, and that that will just happen. I don't think it will happen. And, I, and my point is, is that ma to get to mass adoption, uh, you can't just jump from centralization to decentralization. Mm -hmm. what, what, what we're saying, what Celsius basically saying, uh, the Celsius wallet is not decentralized. The so Celsius service is not decentralized. Our reporting is decentralized. Our support of different blockchains, of 18 different blockchains, is decentralized, right? Mm -hmm. And so on and so on. But we need to put plant one leg in, in, on, on the centralized world and one leg on the decentralized world and build a bridge between mm -hmm. those two worlds. Yeah. And, and, and Bitcoin is, is a purely decentralized solution. Mm -hmm. But for us to bring the 7.5 billion people that live on this planet into the decentralized world we need to use something that they can trust and the stable coin is that bridge that enables the rest of the people that will never cross this chasm right. to come and join us in this decentralized world and slowly adapt things like ethereum and bitcoin and ripple and whatever else is 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 out there as alternatives but but yeah. giving them a stable coin that gives them exactly the same economic representation, but earn 7% instead of 1% or less, mm -hmm. right? 
that is a life-changing event for most millennials, for most people on this planet, because most of Europe is negative rates. Japan is negative rates, you know? Mm -hmm. so, so people work really, really hard for their money, and they can't do anything with it besides spending it immediately because it loses 3 or 4% of its value every year. Yeah. By definition, yeah. by definition. So, so, so I think for most people, trying to explain to them that Bitcoin is this Austrian, anti-Keynesian uh, uh, you know, system, they just don't understand that. They don't teach you that in high school. They don't teach you that in university. There's mm -hmm. no course on what is Austrian economics or, what, or how does a deflationary currency work. They yeah. just don't exist. So, so I think... For us to build that bridge and, and enable billions of people to cross over, for all of this to be successful, we need things like stable coins. That makes sense because people essentially need to be cash flow positive in order to take on risk. And holding um, a speculative asset like uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum is inherently inheriting price risk. And um, I completely sympathize with uh, the point you were making that people are being forced to take risks with their money in order to make any kind of break-even uh, profit on interest, and it's not how it used to be. <laughs> and most well, people yeah, I mean, the Fed, the Fed is punishing you. The Fed is basically saying, we'll pay you nothing for your money. Yeah, and yeah. you you better put it to work. You better put it into real yeah. estate. Otherwise, we'll inflate work. away not only exactly. all of the interest, but you'll actually have less money. Exactly. And, and at the same power. time, at the same time, with fractional reserves, the banks can take your money, give you zero half of JP, JP Morgan. I think is something like seventeen trillion dollars on deposit. Mm -hmm. Half of that they don't pay anything on. Half yeah. of all the deposit, they don't pay any interest. So they take your money for free just because you feel safe depositing it with them. Mm -hmm. They turn around and lend me your money. It's not their money. They lend me your money. Mm -hmm. They charge me 25% on my credit card. <laughs> That's what the average in the United States is, 24.7%, $1.35 trillion worth of outstanding debt, mm -hmm. right? So they make 24 to 25% on the money that you gave them for free, right? And, and no one thinks that anything is wrong with that. People every day continue to get paid and immediately <laughs> direct deposit all their money into the guys that steals from them every day. Yeah. You understand that it's completely ludicrous. Now, the problem is that there's so few banks left that, that you, you can't turn around, go across the street and get 3% or 4% or 5%. It just yeah. doesn't exist. It's, a, it's an oligopoly now. There's no exactly. competition. There's been consolidation for so many years. And exactly. now, now we're just stuck um, getting a bad deal. So exactly. um, I, I was really interested in, um, in Celsius and um, the listeners of the Dose of Ether are very familiar with the Ethereum network. So I wanted to take a... A chance not to compare um, the Celsius network to traditional banks, but to, for example, stablecoins, deposits on exchanges, and also uh, decentralized stablecoins like um, uh, MakerDAO, for example. Sure. Yeah. Let's let's take them one at a time. So, uh, so if you are uh, holding your coins in cold storage, or you're depositing them on exchanges. I see those two as almost like the same kind of proposition. 
If you use good exchanges. <laughs> yes, yes, use good exchanges. So you're, you're effectively saying, uh, you know, I trust either the piece of hardware or I trust this uh, centralized solution. I don't, I, I don't know of any decentralized solution that store value that are uh, risk-free, you know, so yeah. maybe IDEX. But uh, my point is, is that, that uh, those assets will never yield anything for you, right, by mm -hmm. definition. So if you're holding Dash, for example, even though you can stake your coin and earn return, your exchange will never pay you any of that, right? So, so if you're on Binance with Dash, or if you're on Bitfinex on Dash, or if you're on any of the 300 exchanges out there, mm -hmm. uh, they're not going to pay anything. So, yeah. Uh, so sell, all Celsius does it comes and says, look, uh, we know that you need at least eighty thousand dollars worth of Dash to even start staking. So, mm -hmm. guess what? We're not going to require eighty thousand. You can come with ten dollars, put it on of worth of Dash, put it on Celsius, and you'll earn more than the staking fee. How is it possible to earn more than the staking fee? Well, guess what? A few times a year, we're actually going to lend out these coins at more than the staking fee. Obviously, we're not going to lend it for less. But if somebody pays us 12 or 13%, we'll, we'll lend them the coins, earn that 12 or 13%, plus the 7.1% that you can get from Dash, blend the two together, we can get you 7.5%. So... So all you do is you download the Celsius app, you open it, it gives you an address, you deposit your Dash, $10, $10,000, $10, $10, $10,000,000, pro rata you will earn 7.5%. Okay. So, so it's that simple. And it's the same story for Bitcoin, and it's the same story for stable coins, and it's the same story for proof of stake coins, and so on. So today we have 17 or 18 coins, we're adding five more. And the idea is, is that we act if we really act in your best interest then we are not going to charge any fees we're not going to charge a deposit fee or withdrawal fees like some of our competitors or a storage fee or a, a maintenance fee or early termination fee no fees we haven't charged mm -hmm. a single dollar in fees since we were created yeah Why? so because no liquidation fees either for example no, if someone's capitalization goes no liquidation over. fees yeah. More than that, I can tell you we have not liquidated a single customer, even though many of our customers had, had capital calls or margin calls. Because so we do give... you not do you only sell part of the uh, balance in order to make up the difference, so that no, they we, remain over Yeah, uh, we give our customers there okay. are three options, right? Okay. And, and for each customer, the option is different. For one customer, returning part of the loan is the easiest thing. For another mm -hmm. customer, uh, putting more coins on deposit is the easiest thing. Any coin. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be the same coin. You can just deposit a different coin. And for a third customer, uh, liquidating some of the coins is the best thing. So okay. if, you, if you're going to act in the customer's best interest, then give them the choice. Mm -hmm. Create the least amount of pain for your community. Right. Yeah. So, so anywhere you look at the Celsius terms and conditions, you will see that we're always acting in your best interest. Why? Because... We're trying to grow the community. Our success mm -hmm. is not based on how much money are we managing, like JP Morgan or like any other mm -hmm. bank or any other exchange or any other uh, service provider. No. Our success is we're all long Bitcoin. I'm long Bitcoin. I'm long Ethereum. So, mm -hmm. so I, I created Celsius because there wasn't a, a service like this. Okay. And, and, and this community is not going to grow if all we have are sharks I'm saying if all we have are toll collectors who are biding 
chunks of us, as we buy something or we sell something or we store something or we transfer something, that's what the community looks today. It's mm-hmm. the opposite of what I'm talking about. So yeah. why, why would a billion people join you <laughs> if you are just like a bank, right? Right. So, so, so what we're trying to create is something that for most people in the beginning looks crazy. People go like, what are you talking about? I'm, I, I know there's some hidden fee here. I know there's something <laughs> that you're not telling us about. I know, Alex, you're such a rich guy. You're not doing it for the people, okay? There's <laughs> no chance in the world you're just doing this for all of us. So, and, and that's why it's taking time to win the trust. Because, like I said before, the banks spend the last 700 years convincing us that they are the only option to mm-hmm. safely store value uh, anywhere, right? And, and, and yeah. that's what most of us think, right? Yeah, so um, in, in the sense of um, having alternative ways besides simply liquidating people, I can essentially from uh, my research into MakerDAO make the contradiction that um, if you ever fall below 150% collateralization, there is a market within a smart contract that opens the opportunity for uh, people uh, trying to look for arbitrage opportunities in order to um, essentially sell your collateral for a fairly significant discount. I think the rate was 16 13%. 13%? Per- 13%? Yes. yes. Yeah. I get liquidated. I get liquidated on Maker. Okay. Now, <laughs> we we have Dai listed on our uh, in our wallet. You can yeah. deposit Dai or borrow Dai from Celsius today and mm-hmm. pay much less than thirteen percent. We lend you Dai at five or six percent, mm-hmm. right? So most people just don't know that. So we don't have an automated system that automatically uh, jumps into Dai customers when they hit a margin call. But mm-hmm. look, we, I I I don't see that group. Is is Dai and other uh, uh, you know solutions that are decentralized solutions like this a good thing? Well, they're not a bad thing. They're not done mm-hmm. to steal your money. They're but definitely they're, an interesting social experiment on how you can have uh, have a type of uh, marketplace. Yes. It's it's I look at it as a way to um, experiment with the incentives in yes. a fairly automated but incredibly mm-hmm. rigid way. And, and uh, it has to prove itself. I mean, look, I yeah. again, we, we listed Dai because we believe in it. We do yeah. not we do not list any shit coins or anything that we think is a scam or or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. So we we act with the community. The community tells yeah. us we, we want something, and then we either accept it or not. Okay, so it's like a two, it's a two step verification. But my point is, if if the community wants uh, some shit coin, we're not going to add it, right? So. So we, we think that Dai is a good thing, but Dai has to prove it hasn't been around long enough to show that it can really hold that peg and, and really deliver uh, low risk or no risk to its holders. So so I think... To its borrowers as well. To its borrowers, yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it, Dai is not something for uh, mass market consumers. Um, interacting with Ethereum smart contracts is... Um, tricky, mm-hmm. even very good programmers uh, that I know of got liquidated as well, yes. and uh, it creates opportunities for uh, arbitrageurs as well. And people so, just do that. People just li- try to liquidate your force a, ma- a very quick move in ETH 
to cause liquidation and lend you those coins at 13 percent that's their, their economic business. incentives are directly correlated to success exactly. those types of executions mm -hmm. but the one so, thing that i do want to point out in the uh die full smart contract model that i do like and this is something that um, during your town hall you mentioned that you were working on as well and it's the transparency because they only take uh, ethereum currently and in uh, later erc20 tokens they uh, you can see every single transaction that goes and interacts with their smart contract yes. so you know the uh, total current outstanding uh, loans and the um, this is also why arbitragers are able to basically jump in and snag something yeah, everybody has access to the data yes yeah and um I'm wondering. So we, we believe in that. We believe in that model as well. The the problem is is not there. The problem is that that again, most people uh, like again, look at VoIP, right? Three and a half yeah. billion people use it every day. None of them, maybe a thousand, could explain to you how voice over IP actually works. Right. Okay. Most people just use it. You click on somebody's number or his, mm -hmm. or his image, and you get to talk to them. So okay. the. So MOIP or money over IP, which is what Celsius is trying to create, has to act exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. And it has to act in your best interest. Because if there is a chance that somebody can just do something and, and move some something somewhere and liquidate you, then, mm -hmm. then the whole system is not acting in their best interest. So the reason we did not, it's not like we, can, we don't know how to program decentralized systems. We can program a system like that. We just don't think that DAI does enough for the average Joe who doesn't understand anything about anything. And, and all we're saying is, why don't we create a system that enables everybody to feel confident that they are not going to get scammed. They're not going to get taken to the cleaners. They're not going to sleep at night and not notice something and wake up in the morning and see that their uh, savings account or whatever account got liquidated. So yeah. so we, we don't allow any such implementations of system inside our infrastructure why mm -hmm. because our customers are hodlers who are relying on us to deliver that alpha deliver that return with a minimal amount of risk not the maximum amount of risk so is there a way that you can add similar auditability functions when it's all on the ethereum blockchain it's easy to see every uh, transaction but because you have uh, your business is the centralization of multiple chains and multiple accounts. It makes it um, difficult for an outsider to essentially try to piece together um, and have like an independent perspective on uh, your current positions. So uh, we, we, yeah, we're gonna do this in two ways. First, starting the next version, which I think comes out on April 15th. So just in two weeks. Nice. And you will be able to see in the wallet, not just your position, but mm -hmm. what are you part of the community? Are you 1% of the community? Are you 1 billionth percent of the community? How many other participants? Are they buying more? Are they depositing more? Are they withdrawing? Are they lending or they're borrowing? And so on and mm -hmm. so on. So you'll be able to see yourself versus the rest of the Celsius community, right? Which we think is an extremely important step in this transparency because the transparency is not just about seeing all the transactions it's mm -hmm. also knowing if you're part of this organization what is this organization yeah and 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 so that's one part the second part is what you mentioned which is 
will be writing into an immutable blockchain. This is an ERC-20 mm -hmm. blockchain. It's not the Ethereum blockchain because we don't want to congest that. But mm -hmm. we're going to basically have a subnet that is fully compliant, fully compatible, in which we write every deposit, every loan, every interest income, every distribution, so everybody can audit anything they want, even if they don't have a wallet. You don't need to have a wallet. It's an open blockchain. Right? Anyone can go and go and audit, and we're going to be basically locking in the blocks on the main blockchain to make it immutable. Mm -hmm. So you know you know, by checking the hash that, that no one tampered with the data, so we can go back and cheat or... You know, I mean, the whole point in the system is to show that there is negative leverage in the entire mm -hmm. system. Unlike yes. the banks that like, you know, Deutsche Bank is 50 to 1 leverage even now mm -hmm. after all of this colossal blow ups and, and 10 years after the big uh, 2008 collapse, you still have a, a, one of the largest banks in the world running at a 50 to 1 leverage. And no yeah. one thinks it's a problem. That's a systemic problem for the entire planet. Yep. I, I absolutely agree. And so, uh, so we so we want to build trust in the institutions mm -hmm. that we're creating. We want to build trust in bridges to the centralized world. And we want to build trust in the portfolio of what we're including inside this, again, Costco-like warehouse, mm -hmm. right? So tomorrow we'll be adding additional services, right? Like insurance, like, like all these things that could be done with smart contract mm -hmm. where we we are really relying on you to trust us that these services are uh, done in your best interest and they represent uh, the value and the promise to pay that you can rely on because effectively it's the community that gives you that. It's not Celsius. Celsius mm -hmm. is just the administrator, right? Yeah. And, and Bitgo is the custodian. But, but effectively, uh, the network, the Celsius network, is the one who's deciding, you know, how much credit do we issue, how much, how much do we charge for loans? Should we charge more or less? And this is where this, it goes back, looping back all the way to the beginning of our conversation, where we, the community decides, do we want to grow the community and charge everybody less, right? Because we can then bring many, many more members, or do we want to squeeze more profit out of everybody? And unfortunately, the, the, the U.S. community, right? And that's where we have a problem. The U.S. community is not governed by what this what the network the US network is trying to do it's governed mm -hmm. by one tenth of one percent of the people who can pull the right strings and extract the most rent out of all these monopolies that they created for themselves awesome thank you and I know uh, you we've reached the end of our time um, I would love to ask you a couple more questions and sure. I'm, uh, do you, sorry, do you have time for a couple more? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's Okay, do yeah, I always have to check, especially when I uh, <laughs> settle on a time. So um, one of the questions was related to um, your crypto custodian. You use BitGo, you said? Yep. BitGo yes. is the same custodian for the Kraken um, exchange, and it's a fairly widely used and reputable uh, The Chicago custodian. Mercantile Exchange. Yeah. Yeah, a it's a very uh, large institution. Three hundred institutions use BitGo. Yes. So I I was wondering, um, is BitGo themselves insured? Yes. Like, so they B are. BitGo has two levels of insurance. One is public, okay. publicly available. They have a deal with Lloyd's that I think they're insured for up to a hundred million dollars in case mm -hmm. somebody manages to hack into their system, and then they have another tier. 
so that's a cold storage uh, insurance. They also have a, a, a hot wallet insurance, uh, which is the wallets we use most of the time. But since mo a lot of our coins go in and out, meaning they're lent out, when they're lent out, they're not insured. So I want to make sure that no one misunderstands what's happening here. So while the coins are sitting in BitGo, when you deposit them, when you download the app and you look at the address on the app, that is a BitGo address. So your mm -hmm. coins immediately go into a BTC pool together with all the other coins that are on deposit. And from that pool, the coins are lent out sometimes a lot, sometimes not. Right? Mm -hmm. Like December, we didn't, we didn't have almost any coins in BitGo. Everything was lent out. Mm. And in January, everybody returned the coins to us. We had almost <laughs> nothing lent out. We had a lot of dollar loans, but we didn't have a lot of coin loans. Hmm. So, so the good news was that most of the coins were back and they were insured and they were sitting in a safe place. The bad news is that they were not earning any return, right, and so on. So, yeah. so the rate the rate for Bitcoin dropped from seven point one percent to three point five five percent from yeah. December to January, because what we publish is how much did we earn before. <laughs> And, and so on. So, Are so, the published returns based on um, a week-to-week -week return? It lo it's looking back and saying, what did I earn last week? Yeah. Last week. Okay. Yeah. And um, the other thing, um, I heard this, and this was talked about in the Slack before, but you can't uh, advertise a compound interest rate because it changes every week. So exactly. do you calculate a simple interest rate accrued weekly? Or... Yes. Okay. No, it's actually it's actually calculated daily because a lot okay. of people withdraw a deposit every day. So I we got are it. giving you we're giving you credit uh, each day for the amount that you kept with us. Yeah. And and again, look, uh, what what some of our competitors are do where they publish a rate, but when you deposit it, you find out that there's withdrawal fees and the, anything above fifty thousand dollars, you're actually earning two percent instead of six percent, and mm -hmm. all, all that does is that it hurts our entire community. It doesn't just hurt right. this or that company. It basically tells people who came here and tried to switch from centralized to decentralized mm -hmm. that they can't trust us. So right. so my beef is not with my competitor. My beef right. is with the fact that we're working so hard to build this community mm -hmm. and that some of the guys who are here, by the way, BlockFi, who we're talking about here, doesn't have anything to do with the blockchain. They don't have a coin. They're not on, this, mm -hmm. on any blockchain. They don't have any. They don't have any community to talk about, right? right. So, so they're just a, they're just a toll collector, mm -hmm. right? When they when they get paid interest, they take that money and give it to Mike Novogratz, who's their main lender, mm -hmm. right? We take a, a interest payment. We go and buy coins with it and distribute it to seventy thousand people. That downloaded our app and deposited coins with us. So, mm -hmm. so for each one of your listeners, they have to just ask themselves: Who do you want to support? Do you want to support a, a, somebody who's just like a bank, or do you want to support somebody who's trying to build the community? And since last year, early last year, has been every week giving more coins to all the hodlers in this industry. I actually hadn't heard of BlockFi, honestly, because I'm kind of focused on Ethereum. So, <laughs> well, that's good. You know. Yeah, I see. Um, I I get the feeling that a lot of your uh, deposits are more from the Bitcoin community, especially because there is no Bitcoin equivalent to what MakerDAO is doing, for example, right? And MakerDAO can't serve multi-collateral um, on different chains by their very nature. 
So, um, yeah, I think there's uh, clearly an opportunity, especially um, to people. The, the reason people trust MakerDAO is because they can look up the smart contract and say, here it is. And that's what you're planning on doing, too. And I'm quite excited about that because that could have repercussions in multiple industries. And if the standard is set for this level of transparency uh, between a, a company and their customers, then what other industries can have this kind of uh, radical transparency as well? Um, well, the banking industry, the insurance business, all of them, they're all relying on the same, uh, the same type of trust, right? And, and uh, the smart contract is really here to replace the centralized uh, trusted institution and mm -hmm. just because they have a beautiful building downtown doesn't mean that they are safe and trustworthy mm -hmm. as we know from Lehman and Bear Stearns and all kind of other guys yeah. so we are replacing these with decentralized solutions that really rely on the masses but they also rely on mass adoption Okay. None of these things work uh, unless you have mass adoption. So can I also, uh, this is the last question, but this is kind of um, more of a philosophical one. Um, and My favorite. It's, I, I'm wondering what the actual motivation is behind um, the counterparties. So I understand my motivation. I go into the app, I deposit a stable coin, and I receive... Um, close to 7% interest rate. And that's 7. my motivation. 7.1. 7.1. And um, my question is, is who's borrowing this on the other side? Sure. So it's very simple. So I am a, I'm a Chinese miner or I'm a, uh, I'm a, what do you call it? Or I'm a, um, a farmer or I'm a business person. Uh, anywhere outside the United States, getting a loan for anything less than 10%, I would say 15%, in many mm -hmm. countries it's 20%, most of Africa is 30%, is unheard of, right? But it's so, also difficult to find people in developing countries that have such, uh, they have so much, um, I would call Bitcoin have, liquid capital. You know, if yeah. I have, if I have... Uh, so be, like, you'll be surprised that most of the world does not have credit cards yeah. or credit. Just to put things in perspective, half of all the credit on the planet is issued in the United States of America. We're only 5% of the population. Right. So you, you go to India, you can't walk into a bank and get a credit uh, card and get $10,000 worth of credit. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. so, so, so the, only way, on the only way the only way you get any money is by posting collateral. Okay. And sometimes it's real estate collateral and sometimes it's cash collateral and sometimes it's gold and so on and so on. Yeah. So all Celsius does, all Celsius says, look, we're going to charge our community 9% or less, mm -hmm. okay? Instead of 18 or 25 or whatever you used to pay. Yeah. But you have to bring collateral, just like you do anywhere else. So bring us collateral, and we will charge you 90%, 9%. We're then going to take 80% of the 9%. You can take your calculator out and do the math. 80% mm -hmm. of 9% is 7.1%. That's why we're paying 7.1%. Nice. So the, all of our borrowers are people who are mostly in the crypto community because these are the people that have Bitcoin or Ether mm -hmm. or whatever. And these are people that don't want to sell their coin. They've been hodling through this down bear market, mm -hmm. not selling because yeah. they could borrow the cash they needed from Celsius and not worry about being liquidated or terminated or surprised with fees or surprised with all kind of other stuff, mm -hmm. uh, gotcha or whatever. 
I invite you to find one person anywhere on the planet that will say Celsius liquidated me or Celsius yeah. took my coins or Celsius did anything or Celsius charged me a fee. Okay. Mm -hmm. So actually one of our competitors put a 50 ETH uh, bounty proving that what we're saying is not true. And the bounty is still there. No one has claimed it. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's because our entire business model is everything I've been talking about for the yeah. last hour, right? So we, we cannot say it on one end and then charge fees or get, do gotcha stuff or whatever. So this is um, my understanding of like the actual cash payments and like there's this huge complicated process of getting cash out of crypto. So I'm wondering um, what kind of regulatory environment are you able to give loans? Because as a resident of Maryland, I'm ineligible uh, to take out a loan from Celsius Network. So, so the, the lending regulatory environment has to do with each state and each country. Okay. And it, has, it really has nothing to do with crypto, meaning uh, okay. uh, 21 states in the United States allow you to, as long as you charge less than 15%, which mm -hmm. are the usury laws, uh, you do not need a license. Why? Because the state themselves incentivize low-cost lenders to lend out. Mm -hmm. So in 21 states, we don't operate with a license. In the other states, 26 states where we can lend, uh, we do need a license and we have partners and we're in the process of basically adding more and more partners. So it just happens that in Maryland, we not yet have a a partner who can issue to you a, a loan, right? Yeah. So we need. I, I'm sorry. We need a, this process is a mess. <laughs> yes. It's, but but imagine imagine how much complicated more complicated the uh, J Japan or China or India is than the United States. In the US, are you much, active in um, other countries outside of the United States? Yes. Yeah. We lend all over the world where we can. So we, for example, we have a partner in Brazil. So we lend in local currency. Mm -hmm. We just signed up a partner in India. So we'll be able to lend rupee in all of India. So that's nice. That's adding 1.2 billion people uh, to the Celsius capability overnight. Uh, we have a partner in Japan. So we're going to go live over there. And country by country, state by state, we're adding these capabilities. But they're not, it's not because of, uh, yes, you're right. Crypto does have uh, challenges going fiat to crypto, but here the issue is more with lending licenses. Mm -hmm. And um, I've also noticed that your platform doesn't actually allow you to exchange between the various tokens. Um, is there a specific reason why if you do have both the custody system and the lending system that you wouldn't also implement an exchange system? Um, it so seems we, yeah, like if you have all of the regulation and the infrastructure put in place, you're just one step away from being an exchange with interest. It's, uh, it's also one step away from going to jail for doing something you're not allowed to do. You know? so <laughs> the, the is that money is, transmission business uh, regulation exactly, yeah, specifically? So, okay. so we don't really touch fiat. From uh, We don't sell you Bitcoin. We don't sell you Ethereum. Mm. And we don't transact from one kind to another, right? So we are trying to stay away from tripping any uh, way that the regulators can jump on us and say, hi, you crossed the line, we're shutting you down, right? So this is done more to protect the community. And, and there's hundreds of great services out there that do this yeah. much better than us. So mm -hmm. 
and and by the way, we are partners with a lot of these guys. So we're partners right. with, with exchanges. We're partners with wallets. We partner with all these guys. Like Monarch is one example. You can use the Monarch wallet today mm -hmm. to buy or sell. You can use it to exchange from one to another. And after you've done that, you can deposit it with Celsius and earn interest. Okay. There's no transaction fee. It doesn't cost you anything besides whatever the Ethereum network or some other network charges, which is minimal. So, so I think our focus on doing the one thing we do better than anyone else is also the secret to our success. And we, we plan to stick with that and not uh, try to be the best at everything. That usually does not work. Yeah. It's uh, and there are too many exchanges. There are enough exchanges out there to hear a new exchange hack every week, basically. Yes. <laughs> so, um, thank you for your time and thank you for answering my questions. Uh, I'm looking forward to your update on April fifteenth, uh, and uh, I look forward to following your progress. Great, and thanks for having us. And uh, again, we have to do this every few months because uh, everything is moving so quickly that I'm sure you'll have a whole new set of questions next time we meet. I agree. I actually am very interested in um, the uh, blockchain for transparency application that you have. I, um, I find that very interesting and fascinating. Um, so thanks, and I look forward Perfect. to hearing your updates. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye. Bye.